Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. With Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk of 24-7 Sports. Powered by Taylor Construction Equipment. Whether you're looking to rent, lease, buy, or for service, contact Taylor Construction Equipment today at taylorconstructionequipment.com. Now get ready for Thunder and Lightning. We interrupt the beginning of this show for the actual beginning of this show because let me, Mississippi State, as soon, I mean, as soon as I, like, what's the last word when I say? Thanks for listening to the lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. So as soon as I said Mississippi, Mississippi State announces they fired Scott Foxall. So let's talk about it. This was oh, we knew this was going to have to happen. I think we all assumed it would happen at the end of the season, but my goodness, Robbie, the pitching has been so poor this year. You can you can make a case that it should have happened weeks ago. Yeah, you could. And from from everything I was told a couple weeks ago, and I think we've even mentioned on here that it was going to happen. The, Scott Foxall has known for a, at least a couple of weeks that he would not return. And that's often, you know, a very, I mean, I wouldn't want to continue to be doing my job knowing that I was going to be fired, but you have an obligation to uh, being a coach with your contract and all that stuff. I'm sure that's been tough on him. And I know, you know, state fans probably couldn't care less because at the end of the day, it's a result oriented business. So I understand that, but um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do. But it had to happen. I mean, you or I could go out there, I think, the last two weeks and produce very similar results with this pitching staff. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this was something that was going to happen. He just did not get it done with the staff. We can go back and say, you know, well, it was, you know, the recruiting or, you know, arm injuries or whatever. At the end of the day, Scott Foxhall is in charge of getting Mississippi State's pitching staff ready to compete in this league, and he failed miserably the last two years. Great guy, amazing guy, really like him. But as far as this job's concerned, he didn't get the job done. And the last two years, he's had two staffs that have had an earned run average over six runs in two years in a row. And it's gotten worse and worse the last two years. And so you can expect what it would be next year if he was going to return, he had a conference earn run average as he steps away of nearing 10 runs. He's on his staff is giving up nearly 10 runs a game in conference play. Can't put that kind of product on the field anywhere in this league, much less a place that competes for national championships and has those expectations. So there was no uh, reservations. I think in Chris Lamonis's mind that he had to make a change. And for Chris Lamonis, this change had to happen or, you know, he could possibly be on the way out. He had to have made a change to, to buy himself another year, which yeah. I think he probably will do. That's, I, you know, That's the thing, Robbie, is that Scott Foxhall was an anchor at this point. And yeah. he, could very, he could very easily take Lamonis with him. I don't know because we got to see how this season finishes. And I don't know that what, you know, they got to bring somebody in to work with the pitchers. 
I don't know who that's going to be. My first thought is, strictly on an interim basis, is to see if Jay Powell could do it. And that would be strictly interim. I know I said I don't want Jay Powell as the permanent pitching coach, but on an interim basis, that would be a, a good choice. Um, well, somebody has to be in control of pitchers. Right, right. I mean, I'm sure Chris Simonis knows a lot about pitching, mm-hmm. but that's not his thing. Like, right. He's not a pitcher. He's not going to call the pitches. Right. So you got to have somebody. Somebody's got to do it. You have a true freshman behind the plate, too. Yeah. Which, which I mean, let's be honest. Could it be that much worse? I mean, if, if you just had, if you just had the pitchers and the catchers running things themselves at this point, it wouldn't be any different. I mean, I don't know if, if a whole lot changes. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough situation. But I don't know what I was going to get to was I don't know that with only three weeks left in the season, what can you change? You've been yeah. practicing the same way for since the fall, right? What can you change in three weeks? This, you know, it, 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 I don't know what you can do there. But what you I, you just got what you've got to hope is if you're Chris Lamonis is you got to show some improvement. You yes. got to show okay now that he's gone. You see that we're on the right trajectory. It's going to be okay. I'll get a we, we're Mississippi State. We're an elite program. We'll get an elite coach in here, and we'll go from there. And that's what you're going to well, have to hope for. I think what I think that's what this uh, this change is all about too. He's trying to get ahead of that. I think it's a situation where you say, you know, if you do tank these last three weeks, Chris Simona says, well, you know, we lost our pitching coach. Mm-hmm. Pitching coach is gone, but you know, don't worry, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get an established pitching coach, one of the best in the country, and we're going to have uh, a significantly better pitching staff next year. We got to go get some transfer portal guys, all that stuff. If you keep Scott Foxhall. And he he's the coach throughout the season. There's not a whole lot of people that are happy going the off season, and I'm not saying they're going to be happy either way. But you do have some people that are saying, "Okay, let's see what he does here. He can go out and get you know he he made a change late in the year. They had basically nobody running the pitchers. Let's give him just this off season to see what happens." So this is to me, this is more about you know. This is a uh, perception thing. This is um, a strategy, I think, from Chris Lamonis and even, you know, Zach Selman. I don't know. I, I imagine Chris Lamonis made this call himself. People have asked, you know, is it a Zach Selman thing or Chris Lamonis? I imagine Lamonis made this call because from all indications I've gathered is Lamonis was expecting to make a change no matter what. So it's not really uh, – this isn't something that I think he's just been – you know, held to the fire about. I think he knows he had to make a, a, a pitching coach change. And for the people that are that are saying, you know, well, you know, Chris Lamonis deserves a lot of the blame as well. I get that too. You know, he's the head coach. But at the end of the day, the pitching staff is the underlying issue. And yeah, that falls on Chris Lamonis as well. But Scott Foxhall is put in charge of these guys. He's the guy that puts in the philosophy. He's the one that calls the pitches. So at the end of the day, I think that is the biggest issue that Mississippi State has to get fixed. Uh, so Chris Lamonis is his job to go find the best possible pitching coach he can find to coach this Mississippi State team, and we'll see what happens from there. I know one thing, I really like this roster from a um, a lineup standpoint. What they've done on offense has been great. The defense was really good last year. I don't – I mean, you know, this year they're not very good at all, but I think, you know – playing behind the pitchers that they're playing behind doesn't help. Yeah. So let's see what they do with the pitching staff and, and go from there. But 
you could not bring Scott Foxhall back after two years of over six runs um, of an unearned average from a, a pitching staff. I mean, that's just not sustainable. It's incredible. The drop, I mean, as, as incredible as the drop has been for Mississippi State baseball, the pitching part of it is is the the, the part. I mean, that twenty one staff was loaded, absolutely loaded, and Foxhall did a. We 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 don't take, give him enough credit, I think, for how well he managed that staff, kept arms fresh throughout the year, so that when you got to the the regionals and you got to postseason play, you could extend those guys, you could pitch Landon Sims more than once a weekend. Everything he did that year worked. Now, part of that's having great players, but I mean, he 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 got the most out of those guys. And then just two years later, or not even two years later, a year and a you know, a year and ten months later, gone. That is the nature of sports, no question about it. All right. We will now jump into the the actual (laughs) beginning of the show. Yeah, there's there's tons of other things to talk about, and we were like, we were thrilled to not talk about baseball, and we had to completely. We literally don't talk about baseball the rest of the show that you're fixing to listen to. (laughs) We 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 made a point to avoid it, but state gave us some news. What can you do? Let's head now on on the rumblings tomorrow. I've got Brian and Robbie here, by the way. We are. This is future Brian and Robbie, but it's actually. Before we talk about everything else, I don't so, know. How to, I don't know how to fix that. All right, we'll be, we'll head on into the show now. Enjoy it, and I'll be back to, tomorrow with the rumblings. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Tuesday morning. Thanks for joining us here at SuperTalk.fm or wherever it is that you get podcasts from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there. Taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way. The trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffee House here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. It would be a little weird, Robbie. If Brupolo was in Learned. Oh, yes. That would be weird. I'm glad you said it correctly, too. That's one I know. It's close enough to home that I know where that is. So Right. I mean, if if you if you can't correctly pronounce learned, yeah, you're not from Mississippi. That's correct. If you come in here, it's kind of like it's kind of like Gaucher. Like if you say Gaultier or something like that, kind of like Louisville. Correct. That is that. I can't believe I missed that. Yeah, that's that's that is the, the big that one is me. the correct that is the correct answer. Right there. That is the big one to me. That is the one where yes. if, if you, you say, say Louisville, you're, you're out. You're not from Mississippi. Yeah. You're out. If you're from Mississippi. You will say Louisville. Or Louisville at all times. I'll never forgive you. No, yeah, uh, it's unforgivable. It's it's a sin. Call that a sin, a sin, sin. <laughs> so, wherever you are in our great state, you're looking for uh for Strange Brew Coffee every morning, like you get here in Starkville, or you get in Tupelo. It's pretty simple. You just go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com and order it. They'll ship it right to your door. Whatever kind of coffee machines on the front counter in your house, you got you covered at strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. College Corner and collegecornerstore.com, the place to find the maroon and white merchandise that you are looking for. They have the biggest and best selection of it in all of central Mississippi. Two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They're originally by Fleet Feet. They're in Florida by the Half Shell, or you can shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Not just clothes, even though they have an incredible selection of it, but it's stuff for the car, for your house, for your tailgate, for anything. Great gift ideas and great items on sale. Check the on-sale page at collegecornerstore.com. Restaurant Tyler. I told my mom I'm taking her to Restaurant Tyler on Wednesday. She's very excited. She's just getting the red carpet. I mean, you're doing it the should. right way. As she should. 
She's yeah, you're doing it the right she, way. She put up with me for all those years. All right. She, she birthed you, first yeah. of all, and then she had to raise you. Oh my yes. God. I can't imagine. As a single parent. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So, she deserves she deserves she's everything. She's still alive. I mean, she deserves this kind of treatment. So. <laughs> so I remember I'm old enough that I remember my mom, she actually remembered this too. It's like, is that the place with the seafood pot pie? And I was like, they don't they don't have that anymore, but they used to have a seafood pot pie, and she loved that. Oh dish. my goodness! Oh man, like, like crawfish like, and like no, it was up the scale, like shrimp and crab and lobster. Ooh, and like a, with a with a, a puff pastry crust. Like craw- crawfish is that's not really is that seafood? It's, it is seafood, uh, but it's also very you know it's kind of seasonal, like yeah. you're getting the frozen tails, but. They don't have it anymore, and I was just like, they don't have it anymore. But they that's like they still have all this other great stuff. She's like, oh, that sounds great. Let's go. So, so we're going wow. Wednesday to to go get us a blue plate at restaurant Tyler. So we'll see you there. It's the best lunch in town, the best dinner, the best Sunday brunch. It's the best restaurant in town. It's restaurant Tyler. Sixteen Priority One Bank locations located throughout Central Mississippi. That means there's one close to you. If you live down in that area, that means you need to stop by there today. And if you aren't already banking. With Priority One Bank, if you're using a a large national bank or a large regional bank, may want to rethink that. May want to talk about banking locally. You like to eat local, you like to shop local. It's important to bank local as well. So talk to your local Priority One Bank branch about what they can do for you. Check out PriorityOneBank.com to find the locations nearest you. Let Priority One Bank make you their priority. So the transfer portal has finally come to a close, although I was told it's kind of like tax day when it falls on a Saturday. It's, it's you know, you still have a couple of days left to get all the paperwork done and everything else. So uh, a good number of players have, have, have entered the transfer portal for Mississippi State. Now it becomes a question of who will Mississippi State be bringing in. Just because the portal is closed, it's, it's closed going out. Coming in, you know, you can check out any, you can't check out any time you like, and you can always leave. Something like that. I don't don't know. I don't know what that means. Uh, Two receivers go in for the the portal for Mississippi State. I think State lost a total of four or five receivers this spring. I know that Caden Pope, Marquez Dorch, and now Janoris Hobson. And the one that surprised me the most, and that's the one I want to talk to you about a little bit, is Justin Brown. Because Justin Brown is in the class of 2023. He has been in this on this campus for four months. Now, yeah. I know that he was recruited to run an air raid system, and there has been a, a massive philosophical change, regardless of what Zach Ardett wants to break my you-know-what's about. <clears throat> it's a different offense. It is so, a different offense. So... You know, you knew that there was going to be some receivers leaving, but one going out after four months is a little bit surprising, especially when you think about it, you only have, you know, the one-time transfer. Now, I know the NCAA has been pretty lax and 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 not, you know, stopping that, but, you know, now he wherever he goes, it feels like he's locked in until he graduates. Are you surprised to see Justin Brown out the door this quickly? Yeah, um, I mean, I didn't think he I, – I was a little surprised that he transferred, but – I think what you have right now with the receiver room is just a crowded group of people, and you're not going to have a whole lot of um, guys that want to stick around to fight for jobs. And there's some guys that maybe you know, are encouraged to find other spots. I mean, because you're taking an offense to pass the ball 70% of the time, and that had, you know, probably, I would say, seven, eight guys that regularly was 
in the rotation, in and out. And now you're kind of condensing that into a rotation of maybe five or six that are going to regularly get those reps. And you're running an offense that, despite what Zach Arnett wants to say, is going to run the football a lot more, and there's not going to be as much of an emphasis on the pass. Now, that doesn't mean that Mississippi State isn't going to throw the ball around. I, I believe they will. But any time that you scale down a passing offense like that, you're going to have some guys that, that hit the road. And that was expected. We Anybody that expected Mississippi State to keep like 20 wide receivers or whatever they have right now was just being gullible. I think uh, it was expected to, to start seeing that roster dwindle down a little bit. And you needed that to happen because you're trying to get other spots from the portal. You have to make room for some of these high school guys. And I think State is now below the 85 Yes, I think should be scholarship. So now, if I'm correct, okay, so they can go out and they can fill some more spots. They're good at wide receiver. Um, I hate to see Justin Brown leave because I think he is a really talented wide receiver, and I I thought that he would do really well here. I don't think Mississippi State, you know, was pushing him out the door by any means. Right. I don't think they made a huge effort to try to keep him on board with an NIL package or anything like that. I mean, I don't. I don't think State really went out of their way to, to really push for him to stay. Um, that's not saying they didn't want him, but I, I just feel like the roster has to have some um, losses, I guess, at that position. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you still got Freddie Roberson's coming in. Yeah, You still got, uh, I think, a couple of wide receivers in the signing class. I can't remember who's who's still out there. And then you have all these guys returning that are wanting reps. You know, Cree Whitmore made a huge jump in the in the offseason. Jacoby Belazar is a guy that could play some this, some this year. As a Juco guy, you brought in three wide receivers uh, out of that signing class in the Mackay spring. Poole is still is still not here, so that's another one coming in. So Makai Poole, Freddie Roberson, and then you have two other guys that just came in in this class. Mm-hmm. And you have the other uh, wide receivers that are already here. So there's just not a whole lot of reps to go around. They lost Janoris Hobson, too, who I think he was just going to kind of get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. I think Justin Brown, if he stuck around, I think in time he could he could make a difference. But I, it just it looks like he was not interested in that. And and to be fair, I mean, we have to remember, this is a kid that signed up for an entirely different staff, an entirely different offense. And, you know, you know Mississippi State lost its head coach, the guy that recruited him, and also his position coach, uh, Steve Spurrier Jr., who left. Mm-hmm. So it's um, you know it's unfortunate to lose a guy like that. But Mississippi State's in good shape. I mean, you still got uh, Jordan Mosley, Tulu, Jaden Wally, Justin Robinson, Xavion, and then Freddie Roberts coming in. That's six really good wide receivers. And then you add in like a Creed Whitmore, and I mean, I, I feel like State's in really good shape. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, I'm not overly worried about uh, where they're going to be at the receiver position because, I mean, we knew this was going to happen. You know, when you when you recruit for an offense that that rotates ten wide receivers and now you're down to seven, you, you got to get rid of some guys. And especially when you you know you've oversigned receivers, you had what you know thirteen, fourteen on the roster at one point. You know, you only have 85 scholarships, and now you need, you know, you got to find room for tight ends. You didn't have to have those before. You've already got two coming in. You got to find room for those guys. So, what is the the portal going to look like coming in the rest of the way for Mississippi State? It feels like, you know, that they obviously are going to look for at least one more wide receiver. They are going to try to, if they if they can find a difference maker, I think, 
And then, you know, it seems like they're sort of searching, searching for a running back, maybe another defensive back. And I, I don't think they would they would turn down the right defensive lineman or offensive line. Yeah. Um, defensive back, I think, is is a point of emphasis. I would I would say they need to go out there and get another corner, probably. I, I would feel safe with another cornerback, maybe even another safety, I'm not sure. Um wide receiver, they seem to be very active in that market. Uh, Chad Bumpus has offered several wide receivers over the course of the last few days. And then, you know, it looks like they're still keeping their eyes open for a possible offensive lineman. A.J. Allen just entered the portal. That's a guy we've talked about for two years. Mississippi State was recruiting him out of high school, and it came down between State, TCU, and Nebraska. Ends up going to Nebraska. He's one of those guys kind of like um, – I was trying to remember – who we were who we were talking about that we like just knew they were going to be in the portal, I can't remember. Um, but he's one of those guys like we just we just felt like, you know, just keep the you know keep that relationship. Eventually, this guy's going to be back in there. He's like a perfect example of that. Um, and I think you know, I, I would believe they would have a shot at him if they're wanting to go that direction. I don't know if he would want to come in here. You know, State's got uh, Woody Marks. They feel really good about Jeffrey Pittman, mm-hmm. um, you know, Seth Davis. But he's a guy that could come in and compete for that number two spot and compete for reps right away. I'd be interested to see if they could get him on campus for a visit and get in the game with him. That would be one of the guys that I would go after. And, of course, they they were already recruiting the the Penn State. There's a Penn State running back they had on their yeah. campus. So still a lot of options out there. And they're very actively recruiting the portal. So – you know, with the with the new openings that they've had, and they've had, I think, over twenty transfers over the course of the last few months, and most of them have been roster adjustments. I think State is is very actively trying to piece together a few more spots on this roster. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think the next you know week or two, because you want to get them in, you know, before your summer sessions, before your your off off season conditioning program really starts to ramp up. But I think in the next week or two, you're going to see some guys start making their way towards Starkville after a a spring of seeing some guys making their way out. So, and then of course, you know, as you know, this is also the time of year we 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 are officially in that time now. May first is is when it, is is when it kind of begins. You know, in this state, we're all about hunting season. You know, the, yes, it's it's certain times to hunt. There are certain times to recruit for Mississippi State. This is recruiting you, season for Mississippi State. Have you ever been hunting? You know, I have never been hunting in my life. Interesting. Wouldn't it bring you out here to uh, Pumpkin Center, uh-huh. Choctaw County? Yeah, put you in a uh, a deer stand or so. so uh, here's the, here's my issues with hunting. First of all, I don't have any real issues with hunting. All right, I, I you know I have no, patience. You don't have the. Patience. I don't have any patience. I'm fidgety. I yes. don't get up early, and I don't really like the cold. So I'm just kind of screwed. Well, you know what? What you and I are in this exact same spot. Yeah. Yeah, I may live happy. in the country. Hey, man. I may live in the country. I don't care anything about hunting. I love to fish. I fish. But I do not. I don't care anything about times, hunting. I've got, I, uh, but I've got bobcats walking in my backyard. I see. Well, I can't eat those, so I'm not interested in hunting them. Yeah, I, I want to mount one though. I mean, how cool would it be to have a bobcat sitting on my like mantle? Oh, mount it like that. Okay, I was wondering. Oh my god. You're just trying to you're just trying to start something here. I could just see it in your face. You're just a crazy person. You're crazy. Uh 
Yeah, I said I'd much rather I'll just eat the deer. I'm not interested in uh in and how it got how it got to my table at that point. So well, I've got a bunch of deer out here like walking in my front yard. I bet you that's like you could probably just sit outside with a bow at all times and just be to go. <laughs> there, there's trespassing. I have my rights. <laughs> hey, Connor Pilkington just got traded to the Diamondbacks. I traded to the Diamondbacks. Great. See him in the NL West as as the Giants continue their slide. Uh, What's crazy to me about Pilkington is his numbers are, are better in the MLB than they are in he's Woodruff. The minor I don't I don't I don't understand. I mean Woodruff's his numbers in the MLB would you would never have guessed from his time in college, but yeah, like his like in like Pilkington will give up like six runs in a game in the AAA and then get up to the major leagues and throw it. like three scoreless innings. I don't yeah. I don't get That's it. the other way around for Ethan Small. He can't he, he's okay down in the minors, but when he gets up to the bigs. Yeah, baseball is such a weird game, man. It's it's so temperamental. It's so temperamental. So, and there's a lot of tempers flaring over Mississippi State baseball. But you you weren't expected to talk about that today. Where? Let's move on into the rest <laughs> of the show. That's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council, who want to remind you that beef it's what's for dinner. My steaks were awesome last night. Fantastic. Saw some of people tweeting at me. Uh. Send some pictures of their steaks. Guys, if you're ever tweeting eating steak and you want to send me and Robbie a picture of it, we'll be happy to look at it. Be happy to hey, how do you steaks. how do you season your steak? So what I Th- like this is like a this is like a very like this is a point of contention with people. Right, I tell you what, let me get through this ad read because okay. that's a long topic. I'll come back. You have some thoughts. I do have some thoughts. Whatever you like to do to your steak, though, as long as you're eating steak. Brian is cool with you. You can you can even eat it well done. Brian won't won't say anything because he's he he, he you know he just wants you to enjoy your meat, enjoy your steaks. Put, you know, calm down over there. Enjoy your steaks. What <laughs> <laughs> your steaks? The show's, the show's gotten so immature. I know, man. You know what? I am immature. I I, mean, I, I I don't I don't I don't shy away from that. I I take pride in the fact that I am the fattest twelve year old you'll ever meet. <laughs> beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked Southern soul food. It's not just barbecue over there at Two Brothers, although the barbecue is outstanding. Their smoked wings, legendary. Their tacos, the best in town. And that's, I mean, I'm talking about even with Mexican restaurants, the tacos at Two Brothers are the best in town. So head over there this weekend. If you're coming up for baseball, weather should be fantastic. Sit outside on the porch. Enjoy yourself at Two Brothers Smoke Meats in the heart of the Cotton District. Great products and great service is what every business likes to promise you, but Advantage Business Systems has been delivering it to you for 48 years. You need uh, technology in your business, copiers, printers, information, uh, mailing systems, laptops, computers, whatever it is. Call Advantage Business Systems. And then if you need service, just call them back. No overseas call center, no 45 minutes on hold, no out-of-state technician to make an appointment with. It's all done here in the state of Mississippi. And a lot of times, their problems, your problems can be solved the same day by, by Advantage Business Systems. Call them today and find out what a difference they make. 601-362-9192 or visit them online, absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business the Rogues Collegiate Collection, that is the place you want to look for MSU gear. That is the They have got the, the lineup and the logos and the styles that you're looking for. If you're tired of looking for like a giant satellite billboard for Adidas, 
then I would suggest shopping at the Rogue. And also, when you shop at the Rogue, you support the Bulldog Initiative. You support Bulldog NIL and a lot of the athletes that you're cheering for each and every week. Dakota Jordan is one of them. So check them out. Shop at the Rogue in Jackson. Shop online at therogue.com. Don't live the three-stripe life. Shop at the Rogue. Dolce, Starkville's, it's, I, I keep saying it's a secret. I think that secret is out at this point. People are finding out. I'm seeing more and more of it. I'm hearing more and more of it. As people have found out what an incredible breakfast spot Starkville now has over there at 509 University Drive. Great coffee, New York-style bagels, and some of the most crazy original breakfast sandwiches you're going to find. Like the Junction, bacon, cream cheese, raspberry jelly on cinnamon-grilled sourdough bread. Yeah, yeah, that's just the tip of the iceberg over at Dolce. And of course, in the afternoon, if you want a little pick-me-up, a little sweet treat, the gelato is the best around. Head over to 509 University Drive to find out what's going on at Dolce. I will say this. You season your steak however you want to season your steak. If you've got a, a steak rub that you like, use it. I use different stuff from time to time. Sometimes I just go salt and pepper. Sometimes I just, you know, salt and pepper can be enough. Um, if I have a good, thick couple of ribeyes, I like to trim some of the fat off of them. I'll put that in a pot, right, and let that melt. And then I throw in a stick of butter, some herbs, and some garlic cloves, and I'll just spoon that over the steak. That's how I like to do that. But yesterday, for the steaks, um, I used salt and pepper. So my mom is is a no-salt person, or low-salt. She can't have salt, right? I just seasoned hers with original Dano seasoning. And she said it was great. She had never had that before. She said she liked it. The wife and the kids and mine, I use salt, pepper, and our friend Robert St. John's steak seasoning. So that's what okay. I do. But I have other steak seasonings I've used before. I, I I like to mix it up from time to time. I like things to taste a little different. Are you are you you're not a you're not a juicy guy. You're not a you're not a uh, um like Dale's. Oh no no no. I I I don't I don't use a liquid marinade on on my steaks. Again, if that's what you prefer, that's fine. But. I, I, I am not a, a liquid marinade steak. I like just to season it and, and go from there. I like I like liquid marinade. That's fine. And like I said, point of contention for a lot of people. A lot of people mm-hmm. will say that's blasphemy. But for me, like if I'm just getting a ribeye steak, I mean, like what are we talking about? Like 12 bucks, 12 to $15. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not sitting there with, you know, Omaha steaks. Like right. if I have, if I have a prime cut yeah. of beef, that's different. I'm probably going salt and pepper. Yeah, if it's a really good cut of beef, mm-hmm. I'm pr- I'm gonna go very but minimal. About you that. get at Kroger, man. If you want to put a little <clears throat> marinade on that, yeah, that's fine. So so my so mine is I soak it. Uh, first of all, I get I get you know whatever steak seasoning that you want. Yeah. Um, but uh, I get this seasoning is called Papa Tees. It's made in Webster County. Okay. And it's so good. You've had it on the chicken that I made. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So stuff. rub that in real good, and then I put. Some kind of steak seasoning, Dale's or regular steak seasoning you can get from the grocery store. Let it soak in there for a while. Let it sit out, get room temperature, put it on the grill. So good. I will. Love the it. only time I use a liquid marinade is if I'm doing something like Mexican. If I got like a skirt steak or a flank steak, and yeah. then I'll marinate it in like some lime juice and some maybe some tequila or, or something like that, you know. But for the most part, I keep my seasonings dry on my steaks. The only time I like to marinate stuff is is with pork and chicken. That's just me. But that's just me. Grill like you want to grill. Grill the way your family likes to eat. If your family likes what you cook, then don't don't mess with a good thing. Don't mess with a winning formula. 
That's I just funny. love when those juices get inside the steak, soak Juice. in. Yeah. I think you would enjoy my steak. Buddy, I would enjoy yours. Buddy, anytime you want to cook a steak for me, you just say the word. I'll be at your house. The thing about steak is it really doesn't take much. No, it doesn't take long either. So. No. Like, I mean, you don't have to season the steak just too much. It's just naturally good. Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm not going to eat it like it is, but. Yeah. Let's uh let's dive into our one, one. We got three more wraparounds to do. We got three more previews to make today. It's the Tennessee Volunteers. We're going to do Texas A and M later in the week, and then we'll wrap up on Friday uh, with Vanderbilt to to finish the deal. Uh, Tennessee is an interesting team because, and I, this is the first question I ask here is, I feel like people still expect them to be really good this year, despite the fact they lost some really key pieces from last year's team. So let's get into this interview first. I talked earlier today to, with Ben McKee. He covers the Vols for Go Vols 24-7. And now let's get his thoughts on what's happening on Rocky Top. Today, the spring wraparound takes us to Rocky Top. Let's talk about the Tennessee Volunteers with Ben McKee from Go Vols 24-7. Tennessee, one of the more intriguing teams out there this year, Ben, to me, because when you talk about their expectation level, I think people have sort of gotten back on board with Tennessee as a power, and Tennessee is going to be a good team this year. But they have got some big time players to to replace. Is this Tennessee program sort of a, a reload program once again? Not yet, not yet. They're getting there, and I don't think there's going to be a, a steep drop off. You, you you do see some some college football programs that aren't uh, as successful over the history of college football. They they kind of have a, a great year here and there and, and then a drastic drop off. I don't think that's at all the case. I, I still think they're going to be a good football team. Uh, the question is how good, uh, but they haven't reached the point to where they can just reload every single season, uh, like in Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, obviously, um, but they're hoping to do so with some key additions uh, at different positions. Uh, they went out and added Dante Thornton at receiver in, in the hopes of replacing a guy like a Jalen Hyatt and and Cedric Tillman, who were just drafted. So uh, they have a bunch of guys like that that they've added that that are hoping can kind of pick up where the guys that just left uh, left off. Uh, but no, they're, they're not in a position to where they can just reload every single season. And, and that's not a Josh Heupel problem. That That is a... Uh, Jeremy Pruitt problem, to be frank, and and not just Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, it was obviously a, a decade uh, plus a little bit more uh, of yeah. misery uh, before Josh Heupel got to <laughs> Tennessee. Uh, so th- there's a lot of people involved, but uh, I, I think the further removed we are from the Jeremy Pruitt situation, the, the more and more egregious his tenure was. And uh, because of the way that went down with him being fired and uh, the mass es- exodus of of players transferring, uh, it left uh, the cupboards very bare, uh, depth talent wise. So uh, they they've been able to get over the hump and have success by uh, their star players being star players. Uh, but you're not a true program that can reload like those other schools I mentioned a moment ago uh, until you have recruited to to the point to where you have talent and depth and the the depth part has been lacking. They're starting to get there but at this point uh, because there, there was such a big rebuild in that sense uh, a lot of that depth is is very young football players that will, will probably contribute this year but they're not guys that you're going to want to rely on right away. So uh, I do think they're getting there under Josh Eiffel but not yet just because of the just how big of a mess he took over from Jeremy Pruitt. 
And two years ago, Joe Milton was named the starting quarterback to start the season for, for Tennessee. And you could see the athleticism, you see the big arm, but he just couldn't put the consistency together. And then Hooker take, takes over, and we all know what happened from there. What's different with Joe Milton now than it was two years ago? He's starting to look more like a quarterback and not just uh, a guy with the best physical traits in the country. Uh, because if it, if it's just about physical traits, I mean, Joe Milton is up there with, with anybody. He, even this past season, uh, he, he has an absolute rocket of an arm uh, and just incredible arm strength. And that's great, obviously, but uh, that that's no good if you can't, um, put a little touch on the football and and throw your receivers open and anticipate throws and uh, fill the the pocket and and be a leader and and all those other things that come with being a quarterback. It, it's not just about having great God given abilities. It, it's uh, it, it's about having a, a feel for the position. It, it's no different than a a pitcher in baseball having a hundred and two mile an hour fastball, and that's great and all. But if you don't know where it's going, then what's the point of having a 102-mile-an-hour fastball? Because you're, you're just going to walk everybody or hit everybody. And, and that's kind of where Joe Milton was. Uh, the the natural talent has always been absolutely obvious, uh, even from the moment he stepped foot on campus. And, and that's why he beat out Hendon Hooker um, initially two years ago, like you mentioned, just because of the natural talent. I mean, it, it's it's up there with anybody in the country, truly. Um, but what separated Hendon from Joe is is all the the other things that I just mentioned, the the, the stuff that comes with being a quarterback. So I, I do think Joe has already taken a step forward. Uh, that first year where he did lose the starting job, he, he displayed none of those things. But this past season, he comes back after an offseason with Josh Heupel and Alex Golish and Joey Halsley, the offensive staff, and you see him putting touch on his passes. You see him anticipating throws and throwing guys open you saw legitimate improvements he, he didn't look just just like an athletic freak back there he, he looked like an actual quarterback and, and you saw that pay off the last two games of the season against Vanderbilt and against Clemson in the Orange Bowl so this is a, a big offseason for Joe just continuing to to work on all of the small details and uh, of being a, a quarterback and I I don't know that he's going to have a Hendon Hooker type of year because Hendon was uh, firmly in the Heisman conversation up until he tore his ACL. So uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to replicate 30-plus touchdowns to, to two or three interceptions, uh, but I do think he's he's going to have a good year as he continues to improve under Josh Heupel. I listened to a podcast recently, the, the Cover 3 podcast with CBS Sports, and Bud Elliott was on there talking about Tennessee's offense, the, the veer and shoot, and he talked about what made it so difficult to work against and what this, this sort of secret fraternity of coaches that run this offense and how tight-lipped they are about the concepts and things like that. You see this offense up close all the time. What makes it so tough for defenses to work against? Just that there's so many things to defend. I mean, it's it's really that simple. I know everybody likes to to call it a, a gimmick offense, and I, I, I think that's probably fair to, to say uh, because they are trying to use – the, the tempo uh, in their favor, uh, that that's kind of like uh, the candy that they're trying to get the toddler to, to focus on. But I, I hesitate to, to say that that's a fair thing to say because by definition, it is a gimmick offense. If you look up gimmick in, in the dictionary, it, it kind of fits what this Tennessee offense is. 
but it, it's not that's not the only reason that Tennessee is having success under Josh Heupel or and I shouldn't even say Tennessee. I should say Josh Heupel himself. I mean, he's been successful everywhere he's been, especially the the latter part of his career, UCF, Missouri. Uh, I know there was an interesting situation there at Oklahoma, his alma mater, where he was the OC, but um really since then he he's been successful everywhere uh, and it's not just because he he loves tempo or the the wide wide receiver splits to to where the receivers are splitting out so much further than you typically see Josh Heupel is is a great game planner uh a great play caller uh he he constantly is dialing up plays to to get guys open. I mean just go back and watch Jalen Hyatt against Alabama and his five touchdowns this past season on the third Saturday in October. Uh and, and there were plays like that all throughout the season and and really even going back to year 1 when when he didn't have a ton to work with, he was scheming guys open. So yeah, everybody focuses on the the tempo and and getting to the line of scrimmage and hiking it before uh, the defense is set and that puts a lot of pressure on the defense, but what I think separates the offense on top of the tempo is, is that that's one thing, but then he's adding wrinkles week in and week out that defenses haven't seen yet or aren't prepared for. And that's just making life even more tough when they're focused on the tempo a, as much as they are. Uh, and Hendon Hooker has had to be a, a great decision maker. And that's what made him so successful is in, in this offense, Tennessee's quarterbacks have to, to make so many decisions so quickly, and Hendon did that at an elite level, and that's why you only saw him throw two interceptions this past season and, and have over 30 touchdown passes. Uh, it, it was pretty remarkable. So uh, it, it, it's it's a very unique offense, and it's one that I think is is tough to defend for, for so many reasons. But I, I don't think people realize just how smart of an offensive mind Josh Heupel is. I, I think they just credit it to the the tempo stuff, but it, it's not just that. He, he is truly a, a genius on that side of the football. Yeah, and, and the 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 secrecy is sort of is sort of funny to me. I, I like that because you know sometimes you feel like you know something and you don't. I, I get a kick out of the idea that these coaches are like, oh, we can't really talk about our play calling and stuff like that. They say when they have coaches conventions and uh these guys do talk, you can't get a seat in the room because it's just it's just so so Tighten it. I don't know. I don't get it, but whatever. Uh, defensively, this team was pretty good last year. There are only two games that sort of stand out. One of them's a win. They weren't good against Alabama, but Alabama's really good. And then there's that South Carolina game, which might be the biggest outlier in college football uh, from a season ago. You know, what is this defense going to look like in 2023? I, th- I think it's going to be a, a better defense uh, than it was a year ago. Uh, it, it was kind of a a, a, a different defense in the sense of like the front seven you had confidence in uh w- one of the reasons Tennessee was able to win double digit football games last year is obviously Hendon Hooker Jalen Hyatt uh, all the fun toys that, that they had offensively but the biggest reason they were able to make such a big jump and beat Alabama and Florida uh, LSU, Clemson, all all of these schools that have been beating Tennessee down for the last decade, like we talked about earlier, the the biggest reason Tennessee was able to take a jump and beat those schools is because of what they did in the trenches, both along the offensive line and along the defensive line. I mean, Tennessee, Darnell Wright is the tenth overall pick in the draft on this past Thursday night, and, and that kind of speaks for itself. He he led the charge uh, along the offensive line, but then the defensive line maybe didn't have a Darnell Wright in terms of star player or, or first round pick, 
but they have Rodney Garner, their defensive line coach, who is one of the the greatest SEC assistant coaches in the history of SEC football. Been at Georgia, been at at Auburn, uh, now at Tennessee, and and he has a long, long list of of guys who are playing in the NFL. He he has worked wonders uh, with that defensive line room. Uh, that that defensive line room was one of the positions that lacked the most talent and depth uh, when Josh Heupel took over, and and for him to to squeeze out as much lemonade out of that lemon as he did uh, was truly incredible. So, and the linebackers were pretty good as well. They were frustrating at times, uh, but very athletic, and that led to some plays. Uh, and Tim Banks' defense, the defensive coordinator at Tennessee, kind of is all gas, no breaks, just really focused on being in the backfield. And that hurts them at times, uh, but it also leads to a lot of TFLs and and sacks and, and plays behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, negative plays, which is obviously good for a defense, uh, but the secondary was a big issue. When, when Tennessee's defense did struggle last year, it was because of the secondary. I mean, they, there was just a, a real lack of talent and lack of depth uh, back there. Didn't didn't really have anybody step up. Maybe a Denico Slaughter and Wesley Walker towards the end of the season, uh, and that bodes well for this upcoming year. Uh, but it, it was a it was kind of like two defenses that Tennessee fans had to watch last year because you had confidence in the front seven uh, to slow down the run game, the traditional running game, which they did. But then guys like Anthony Richardson had just absolute field days against them. You talk about that Alabama game. Uh, Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs were just an absolute nightmare for Tennessee all afternoon long. And, and part of that was because the secondary was was so, so poor. Uh, so I, I don't have a ton of confidence that it's, that it's just going to be night and day different this season. Uh, I mentioned earlier that they're going to be relying on some young guys to to hopefully take big steps forward, and especially back there on the back end. So, uh, and, and they did have some veterans graduate. Uh, again, I said earlier that the, the defensive line didn't really have a first-round pick like a Darnell Wright, but they, they did have some veterans and, and at linebacker as well. So uh, th- they're going to be younger, but I do think they're going to be more talented and have more depth. It's just going to be up to those young players. How much do they grow this summer? How much do they improve? And, and just how ready are they going to be to make an impact? Because if they're ready to make an early impact, then uh, the, the defense should be one of the, the better defenses in the SEC. Here's the question we've asked everybody in these these interviews we've done over the past few weeks. When we get to November, after Tennessee plays Vanderbilt, where are the volunteers? Are they a realistic challenger to Georgia? Can they get in the SEC championship game? Where are they? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a very interesting question. Not not trying to dodge it. I, I just yeah. think there's so many unknowns uh, still at the beginning of May, and more so with, with Georgia. Uh, who, who is Georgia's quarterback going to be? Uh, and they obviously have to replace a, a ton of defenders who are now <laughs> all conveniently playing with the Eagles. Um, but <laughs> yeah. they, they are one of those programs, like we talked about earlier, though, that that they reload every year. Uh, it doesn't really matter how many guys they lose on defense. They, they're still going to be absolutely great and probably the, the best defense in the country. So you, you certainly pick Georgia to, to be the favorite. But in terms of the gap between Georgia and, and the others in the SEC East, I think it'll depend on on Tennessee's offense, quite frankly, and obviously it'll it'll pen, depend on the defense and how much they improve. Like I just got done talking about, but how big of a drop off is there from Hendon Hooker's offense to to Joe Milton's offense? I I think that's the big question. I, I said earlier, I think Tennessee is going to be a good football team, but it is it a, a nine and three 
good football team? Uh, is it a, a ten and two good football team, or or is it a team that uh, at the end of November they're in position to potentially win the East? I, I think that's a, a huge question mark at, at this point. But uh, I would obviously certainly pick um, Georgia uh, <laughs> to win the East as of now. But I, again, I, I think Tennessee will have a a good season, and and if Joe Milton finally puts it all together if if it finally clicks for joe milton and he just absolutely takes off tennessee could absolutely beat georgia tennessee plays georgia uh in knoxville this mm-hmm. season uh it's the sec you have other tough games that you'll have to handle as well and, and that'll factor into the race but if it all clicks for joe milton because he's going to have some weapons on the outside Maybe not the the household names that people are aware of, but Tennessee has some players they're really excited about at skill positions on, on offense. Uh, if if they click with Joe Milton, then then it's an offense that that can replicate last year's success. And and part of it is Josh Heupel's offense. I, I think Josh Heupel's offense is going to be successful, kind of regardless of of its personnel. Um, but if if it finally clicks for Joe Milton, because he was a big time quarterback coming out of high school, signed with Michigan, didn't really work out there, transferred to Tennessee, didn't work out right away. But uh, he looks like a completely different guy, both as a leader, both as a quarterback, since he stepped foot on Tennessee's campus. And that's because of Josh Heupel's ability to develop quarterbacks. If it finally clicks for him, then Tennessee can absolutely challenge uh, Georgia to win the SEC East. We shall see. It was interesting to see Tennessee being back next year. Now we'll see if they can handle success. Ben McKee, go Vols 24-7, man. Thanks a lot. It was really good info. Thanks, Brian. All right, thanks to Ben. Appreciate his time. Obviously, he's very high on the volunteers, but he knows that like this year – it's going to be tough for them to challenge Georgia unless Joe Milton is going to replace Hendon Hooker in every possible way. Yeah, I mean, they, they lost some big pieces. And I, I really like Milton, by the way. I mean, that, that dude is just an absolute freak show out there, arm talent through the roof, uh, really athletic guy. But, I, you know, I thought that Hendon Hooker was – he far exceeded my expectations of him last year. I just – the year before, I wasn't just completely blown away by him. But I thought he took a major step. And, I mean, that's a guy that I, it wouldn't shock me to see doing some big things in the league. But Milton's kind of in that – he's kind of cut from the same cloth from an athletic standpoint, maybe even more athletic I think him. he's more athletic. I think he's a better runner for sure. He is, and just uh, super arm. Uh, but, you know, they lost one of the best wide receivers in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost some other pieces, I think, on the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, Darnell uh, White, first-round pick there, yeah. I think they had five They had five guys in the first three rounds. I think, that I think was, that's, right, that's what yeah. it was. So they lost some big pieces, man. They lost but, Cedric Tillman as well. Yeah, I mean, anytime – like, they're – you know, they're kind of – they've kind of gotten to the point now with Josh Heupel that I just expect them to be competitive every year. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that his, um, his offense is – really good it's Mm -hmm. uh it's you know there aren't there aren't very many like foolproof offenses out there but like Mm -hmm. his and lane kiffin's i feel like are built for success the veer and shoot that's what they call it up there in tennessee it's it's the bryles offense basically yeah and 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 so you know it, it is very consistent and you sort of hit on something there though that i asked uh ben and that's Tennessee is not quite yet to the point where they've recruited well enough that they're just a reload program. So they could take a step back this year. But, but 
they did have a top ten class. They did have a top ten class. Uh, and and you know they get Georgia at home this year. I, I just I think they're maybe a year or two away from being right there with Georgia. They're getting there, and I, I feel and honestly, and this may be a, a, a odd thing to say, considering that Smart's won the last two national titles. But I think Heupel's a better coach than Smart. I think Smart's a better recruiter than uh, than Heupel. There's just there's just such a huge difference between recruiting the number one roster and the number mm-hmm. ten. It's incredible. Well, yeah. I mean, Mississippi State is a team that will recruit a top 25 roster. And you think, okay, that should make you really good. But then you realize you're like, that's 10th or 11th in your own conference. So you're saying Tennessee was 10th nationally. That probably means they were like sixth in the SEC. They're behind Georgia. They're behind Alabama, probably behind Texas A&M, probably behind LSU. And possibly behind, you know, a Florida or, or, uh, 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 I'm trying to think. So, I mean, this year, this class coming up, South Carolina's putting together a top ten class. So, I mean, it's just tough. It's tough. And when you when you when you lose your quarterback, that can be you know that can be something. So, I think Tennessee's going to be good this year. I don't know if they'll be as good as they were last year. I could see them losing three regular season games. They'll probably lose to Alabama and Georgia, and then they might drop another one that you don't expect. Yeah. But I think now, like I just conferences, so I just think they're at the point. I just don't think they're going to take any major drops under Heupel. I think they're going to be right, pretty consistent. They'll be they'll be a nine nine win eight nine win team at worst. Yeah, on most years, their non conference power five is Virginia this year. So that's 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 a game they'll win. Um, They do have to play a And M. That's at Tennessee though, so they should be able to win that. Uh, yeah, I mean, ten and two is very, very doable for them. But with a new quarterback, you could see a game where they where they just slip. And it's, it's just you know they're in a very tough position. They're they're in the same position Auburn's in. Yeah, they got to play Alabama and, and, and Georgia, Georgia every, every year. year. They're the only; those are the only two teams in the conference that have to do for now. For now, until now, until we year, see how that next year they, you know, they'll, they'll keep Alabama. I don't think they'll keep Georgia. Not they shouldn't every year. Yeah, they, they should. They'll keep you know, Alabama every year, right? And that's a team that's just you know they've eaten their lunch for twenty something years until, yeah, last, until year. last year. But they right. they finally got over the hump last year. I mean, who, there's a lot to be said about the fact that they finally won that game. Agreed. Because Agreed. there were some there were some teams during that stretch where Tennessee could have won some of those games, but mm-hmm. it's just like State and Ole Miss baseball at this point. It's just it's hard to get that win. Sometimes Agreed. when Agreed. a team has your number, it's in the back of your head. And mm-hmm. Tennessee finally got it, so who knows? Yeah. If if they're able to win one of those two games, well, then they have gonna, an opportunity. They have an opportunity to win the SEC, win East, the if East, not, or, or at least be, be an SEC team in the playoff. I mean, if they're, they're, they're a team, one, they're going. They're to get a team in. that I really think is going to benefit from this expanded playoff. Oh yeah, well, because they, they're going to be in the top twelve regularly. They don't have to win the SEC. They would have been and, in the playoff last year. If they had just beaten right. South Carolina at eleven and one, they would have gotten in. And see, like now, you don't have to see. There's a point where you have to win the SEC or you have to be in the conference championship game to make the playoff. Now that's not the case. You can get three teams, three four teams in the playoff, and yeah. you can finish second in your division. Yeah. So Tennessee, I think, is going to really benefit from that because they're going to have the resources to regularly recruit inside the top fifteen. And have a roster that's capable of making it to the 
the playoff. I think Tennessee is going to really benefit from all this. I agree. I agree with that for sure. All right, tomorrow's show is the rumblings. Get your questions into us now. We'll go ahead and start uh, rolling those in, and we'll <laughs> answer them. Uh, then we'll, you know, we'll just keep we'll keep rolling on football, basketball, baseball, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. We'll see. All right, guys, have a great uh, Tuesday. Robbie, now back with you on Wednesday for Robbie Falk. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.